Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Shane Metcalf is the co-founder and CCO of 15.5, a human-centered performance management platform that creates effective managers, highly engaged employees, and top-performing organizations. Shane and his co-founders started 15.5 to help companies bring out the best in their people. Prior to his role as CCO, Shane worked as the Director of Customer Success and later as the Vice President of Customer Success, where he won company customers for life by building self-service and high-touch programs that helped unlock full potential of the product. Prior to 15.5, Shane was an executive coach in the Bay Area for more than 12 years, where he worked with tech and social entrepreneurs to create new levels of high performance, productivity, and organizational health. Shane is such a good guy. Was so thrilled to talk to him and can't wait to hear your thoughts. Shane, welcome to the One Away Show. Brian, it is so good to be here. And it's been fun just contemplating what were my one away moments in life and which of the many to choose from? Absolutely. Well, I'm sure there are many for you. I, I have enjoyed just watching you from afar and seeing how you think. So I think this conversation will be quite stimulating uh, and excited to dive in. So uh, Shane, what, what is the one away moment that you want to share with us today? Yeah. So the one away moment that is, as I think about my life and the kind of non-linear journey that I've been on is when I was 20 years old, I went to a conference in California called the Bioneers Conference. And it's uh, it's a conference that I've been going to for a couple of years. And Bioneers stands for Biological Pioneers. And so it's a social, uh, in like social environmental innovation conference and really incredible stuff. But I met a girl there and we spent the weekend together. And I also met somebody from a radio station in New York. And all of a sudden, I fall in love with this girl who happens to live in New York. And I get an internship offer from this radio station. And at the time, I had just moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I grew up in Taos, New Mexico. And I, so, you know, grew up in the country, rural New Mexico really interesting. I mean, Taos is its own uh, odyssey and kind of insane, crazy, full of contradiction and contrast place to grow up. But I just moved to Albuquerque thinking I'd move to the big city. You know, I grew up in a you know pretty low income household and hadn't traveled much. You know, I'd, I didn't see the ocean until I was 16, to give you a sense. Hmm. And I meet this girl. She lives in New York. I meet this producer for Air America Radio, which was a kind of liberal talk radio show from the early 2000s. I get an internship offer and I meet this girl two weeks after the conference. Me and this girl are are chatting on the phone and there's this like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And we were like, yeah, let's do this. So two months later, I'm on a one-way flight moving to Manhattan and I've never even been to New York before. (laughs) <laughs> farthest east I'd ever gone was Tennessee to visit my grandparents. 
when I think of moments that radically changed my life, that was at the top of the list. Oh my God. Well, uh, Shane, I, I went to Taos, stayed in an Earthship. Uh, last oh, yeah, Earthships are so dope. It was a very um, great experience and it was a very special time. Uh, New Mexico is beautiful, but I can also under, you know, being where spending time was in Albuquerque and Taos and knowing kind of your background, I can see how you completely shocked the system uh, going to New York on that journey. Um, so a couple questions as we kind of back up, what, what made you go to that conference in the first place? Uh, what drew you there? Yeah, sure. So I've been going since I was like 15. So I've been like five times or something. And w- the original, how I got in was, uh, I'd heard one of the programs, an interview on our local radio station, KTOW Solar Radio 101.9, which I actually hosted a show on, um, which is kind of how I got the internship at the other radio station, as I hosted a talk radio show, like a youth talk radio show on it. And I heard about that they were offering these youth scholarships at this conference, Pioneers. And it was Julia Butterfly Hill. She's the activist who climbed a tree and lived in it for two years to protest the, the, the cutting of this tree. And she had offered a youth scholarship to this conference for the first time because she saw, wow, where were the young people at this conference? And so she offered this scholarship and uh, me and my friend, Tiffany Elston, what's up, Tiffany? Uh, we're like, whoa, we should do this. And so we applied for the scholarships. We got them. We needed to still raise a little bit of money to go. So we went around to local businesses and raised, you know, I think it was like 500 bucks each or something. And we flew out to California. And that was like my first time actually going to California. And, and the conference is at the Marin Civic Center um, off San, North San Pedro Road in Marin. And which is funny because now some of my best friends live off of that road. There's all kinds of cool story you know, history with that road. And I went and what was really striking about this conference is it opened my eyes to how possible it is to create a world where life thrives. Mm. We have at our disposal, all the tools, technology, resources that we need to create a world that is deeply beautiful and thriving and sustainable and oriented towards conditions that are conducive to life. And so, you know, yeah. 15 or 16, that was this deep shot of optimism and possibility about the future of the world. Wow. Wow. And yeah. then so, that, so, so I've been going back every year since Interesting. and really gaining deeper understanding of things like biomimicry, which is where you it's innovation based on life that life itself has been doing incredible R&D for 3.2 billion years and has solved every single technological problem that we're facing as a species right now. Hmm. Energy, resource, production, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Life's already solved. And so it's just taking recipes out of nature's cookbook to solve our biggest challenges. Interesting. And I'm sure given how you grew up, you going to that conference, it created a lot of expansion for you intellectually and just a whole new world. To back up a bit, you said where you grew up was maybe lower to middle income. 
were you not exposed and educated in that way? I mean, what did you feel you grew up in kind of a shell? I mean, I'm just envisioning. Yeah, sure. No, I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll do a little more backstory because it's, it's interesting because growing up with a family that had basically chosen spiritual awakening over kind of jumping on the capitalist bandwagon rat, you know, rat wheel, mouse wheel, whatever it's called. Rat, rat race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, my family, like, bless their hearts, did not do the rat race. And they pursued awakening and truth over making money. And so, I, you know, I, I still give them shit about this all the time. because there's, <laughs> there's a price you pay when you say poverty is purity. So we paid some of those prices, but simultaneously, I am so blessed because even though, you know, my parents have probably never made more than 30 or 40 grand a year, which, you know, is, is its own experience. I was surrounded by love and I was, I, I had an amazing education. I had incredible teachers from day one and super crazy alternative education, but deeply informative and, and something I'm extremely grateful for. And so for instance, my high school, Chamisa Mesa high school was a very innovative high school. We had a, first of all, we had a four day school week the founder of it used to design colleges with Buckminster Fuller. The curriculum was based on Ken Wilber's integral theory. Uh, we would do camping trips at a, a Bodhi Mandala Zen Center in Jemez Springs to kick off the year. So super interesting, innovative, progressive education that was all was very intellectually stimulating. You know, there was there was like drug use happening one of our semesters. And so they said, Hey, instead of just going with the drug war narrative, just say, no, let's do some education. So we actually studied Andrew Wiles from chocolate to morphine, which was like a textbook around psychoactive substances. And we studied that when nine 11 happened, I was a sophomore, I guess, you know, instead of saying, Hey, let's just jump on the, the bandwagon of demonizing Islam in the Muslim world, let's spend a semester studying Islam. Let's understand it. Let's understand how we got into this situation. Intellectually, I grew up in a very rich environment, but I tell you, when I first, that first night of moving to Manhattan and going up onto the, the rooftop, oh, and by the way, like this girl I fell in love with was from one of the wealthiest families in the world. And so I went from like living in Albuquerque, thinking I'd move to the big city, driving around my $500 Toyota Corolla, like dreaming of getting $50 to go spend on groceries to the deep end of Manhattan billionaire elites. So, you, wow. Holy moly. And, and that Whoa. first night going up on top of the building that her family owned, <laughs> you know, uh, and looking out at the skyline, I, it was like a fish in water. It was like, I have been so deeply waiting for this moment. And so it, it was a shock, but it was a shock of awakening and excitement and alignment. Wow. Uh, thank you for sharing. I, the background, the way you grew up and totally understand why that education was extremely stimulating intellectually and very progressive. And then you said you grew up in a family of love. And love and met, dysfunction. Yep. And then you went to the conference, you met the girl, got the internship, stars aligned in a way. 
and you, you went with it. And yeah. so what's interesting to me is you grew up so on the polar opposite end of wealth and then you walk into the completely other opposite end of wealth and then you feel that pull. I think you just said like that alignment, take us to, to that when you were looking out over the skyline, like what about that experience really grabbed you? Yeah. So there, there's a number of things. I mean, I remember, you know, she gave me an iPod and this was when they like the first generations of iPod 2005, I think. Yeah. 2005. I just moved to New York and it was January of a cold ass winter. And I mean, I grew up in the mountains, but it's a different East coast winters are the, the humidity is, is very different. And I remember walking around listening to the iPod and it was this great album Kata, which is Mike Patton from faith, no more doing all the much more like experimental soundscapes. I remember walking and feeling such this, this tremendous experience of my prayers being answered of this growing up in a more below the poverty line community and family. And as a teenager realizing, whoa, I don't want this. I want more for my life. I want to live a more expansive life. I want wealth. I want to create financial freedom. And so studying it and reading books about it and you know, this one book called The One Minute Millionaire, which is all these like millionaire affirmations, which I still crack up about. It was like doing, you know, as an 18 year old, like doing these millionaire affirmations. And then like, boom, two years later, whoa, whole life changes. And so it felt like magic, it felt like an answer to my prayers. And it felt like freedom and liberation from the struggle of poverty, which for anybody that's struggled, there, there can be, you can find peace in it. And you can also, uh, it can be a very painful experience. Sure. And so it was such this dramatic change to my whole life that it was rapid expansion. And then there was also deep values. It wasn't like, oh my God, cool. I'm going to be this gold digger. There was this like deep alignment around vision and purpose and spirituality that existed with this person. So there was genuine love as well. And there was, of course, like we, we, we stayed together for two years, which I think is actually pretty remarkably good for having spent a weekend together and then deciding to move in when you're 20. It was enchanting. Yeah. It felt like anything was then possible. Let me ask you a question. I mean, two questions I'm really curious about sound like this, this woman was at that time, a very deeply connected person for you, where you just felt the urge to move in with her after barely spending time with her. Uh, you guys grew up in completely different sides of the coin from a wealth perspective, but maybe sound aligned from a value perspective in certain ways. So I'm curious what created such a strong attraction. And the second part of the question in which you might want to just answer is two separate questions. You, you stepped up on that roof. You felt that pull. Makes sense why. I'm trying to understand your next steps and how this woman and this wealth that you walked into helped play a role in the development. And so they're kind of connected, but uh, I'll let yeah. you answer how you see fit. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of fun synchronicities there. And I mean, part of part of what we fell in love around was a shared sense of what's possible for the world. And there was a, one keynote that weekend from Paul Hawken, um, who's the founder of Smith & Hawken, the author of Natural Capitalism, uh, the more recently, the Drawdown Project, which is a comprehensive look at what, does it what will it take to actually reverse global warming. A couple of cool synchronicities there, just because I, I need to speak to them. He came. To, he actually visited my high school as a teenager and fell in love with our high school so much, he donated the research library he used to write natural capitalism to my high school. And I devoured as many of those books as I could. So here was this super influential person that had really shaped my sense of reasons to be optimistic about the future of the world. And then this weekend, he gives this keynote about the enormity of how many people are actually trying to work on solving our problems. And kind of the takeaway is it's like, if you look at the data, you can't help but feel pessimistic. Like we're kind of screwed. This is not going in a good direction. But if you look at the people that are trying to solve the biggest problems, you can't help but be inspired. And so that was this incredible like bonding moment of us sitting there in the theater, like, oh my God, this kind of revelation vision of a more beautiful world. That kind of fused us there. And then also her dad came from a lower middle class family. And so she had more of a balanced perspective than the average heiress, let's say. And so I think that really actually made a big difference of us being able to relate to some extent. And then the other cool trippy thing. So uh, 10 years ago now, I founded, I helped co-found a company called 15.5, which I still run. And we're a people and performance management platform, kind of human-centric. How do we unlock potential at work? And do that through kind of traditional HR systems like performance reviews and one-on-ones, et cetera, et cetera. But really cool thing about the original methodology of 15.5 is that Paul Hawken, who's played all of these interesting roles in my life, helped develop the original management theory in the 80s with Yvonne Chouinard and uh, Doug Tompkins, I think, the founder of North Face. Before I was even born, Paul Hawken helped create something that would then later be the seed of the company I would help build and played all these other trippy roles in my life. Mm. You know, it just kind of blows my mind of synchronicity and the bigger picture when we zoom out that there is some kind of higher fractal order to how life unfolds totally it seems for you is a is a merging of people from parts of your life ideas and then just also i think you have to give yourself credit and maybe because of your background you are more a keen or akin to maybe tuning in to kind of that that pull right uh and following it so maybe the synchronicity of life could line up for you where I think a lot of people, they don't always know when to listen, right? And it seems like for you, you followed those pools and things that have come into your life and then taken the action around them that have allowed the synchronicity to happen. So it's just really an interesting dynamic for you know what the story you're sharing 
of, I think a lot of intuition, but then a lot of action. Yeah. And in the intuition piece, right. I think that our, all of us have intuition and I think that our intuition is the key to us accessing our higher genius, our higher creativity. And, and so the journey of learning how to, to listen to our intuition and understand our intuition and leap when it says to leap, even if it doesn't make any sense. And I do, I really do credit that there's been a lot of luck and there's also been a lot of leaps of faith that I've had to make in my life and a lot of struggle and perseverance that has ultimately um, led me to creating a life that I'm, I'm deeply proud of. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I want to build on that. I'm, I was listening to a podcast um, that Zary, Gary Zukov was on and I went to his Instagram and there's a quote that really stood out to me and it's, and it really connect. It's really interesting to me because like he's, he's definitely comes from a spiritual realm. You came from a more spiritual open-minded realm yet have this capitalistic mindset for the human good, maybe more natural capitalism. And the quote was something around like solve the, the bigger problems of the world. We first have to change ourselves, not other people. Yeah. And your work is, is centered in changing individuals for the better right to unlock their potential and their performance so that they can go solve the problems of the world and i and that really struck being entrepreneurial because sometimes we're so focused on the problems out there that need to be solved or the people that need to change but when we look in the mirror if we spend the time focusing on ourselves or the people around us that can go then go do that right and it's so interesting to me because your work is at the center of changing human potential to then go unlock and solve the problems of the world by establishing great leaders. And that, and that is a lot of connect connectivity there, I think between your both sides of your, all sides of your life. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I love that. Uh, and I think that's kind of like what the teachings of alchemy, for instance, aren't actually about external alchemy and turning lead into gold. It's about changing our own relationship with ourselves and with the world. And that's how we influence external change. It is we transform internally, and that in itself transforms external dynamics. Yeah, yeah, I love the quote: "Focus on the internal, and the external and takes care of itself." But yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's just it's trippy. Both times I've talked to you, just you know, anyways. After well, and, the show. And, it's, and, and it is an interesting dynamic because, in many ways, my my parents said, "Hey, we're going to prioritize the inner world." The inner, the interiority of the human being is where the gold is. The true wealth lies in our hearts. And most people are obsessed looking out externally for fulfillment. And we're going to say to hell with that. Let's look internally for the true fulfillment. And I think that's a pretty sound approach. But also by not prioritizing, creating some external structure, there's prices to pay. Mm -hmm. You know, your teeth rot, you you get evicted, you, your car breaks down every time you try to go see a concert at Red Rocks, which <laughs> we did a lot of, um, you know, just shout out to my dad also as like a hardcore rock and roller. Um, like my first concert was when I was eight years old and he took us to see Nirvana, right? It was the last year that Nirvana was touring before Cobain died. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, just, just an appreciation yeah. for the kind of, no F's given rock and roll freak flag flying um, 
family that I came from. <laughs> I think you turned out all right. Let's go back to jump to New York a bit. Uh, and we'll, I'd love to talk more about the company and, and the alignment and synchronicity there. You got to New York and obviously there's still a connection to her father and how he was, he grew up in the maybe similar environment you did and worked his way up and, and family. But what were your like, Immediate well, and to be clear, the wealth was from the the mother's side, not the father's okay. side. The mother's side. Okay, great. What what were uh, the immediate steps that you took uh, once you walked in? You felt that pull, that alignment. How did that change your behavior? And wh- what did you do to really lean into that and absorb and change and transform in your own right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in so many ways, what I when I look back it was so much of it was grappling with my own deep insecurities and feeling uh, deeply inadequate. You know, like my experience of, of working with uh, the radio show, I was, I was an intern for Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s radio show, Ring of Fire, you know, and that and several other subsequent professional experiences, the dominant experience was one of inadequacy. You know, I, I actually had my first entrepreneurial experience in that chapter as well of, me and my partner w- met some other people that were creating a chain of organic fast food restaurants. And we kind of joined in with them. And so it was kind of our first, uh, my first startup, really. A lot of that time, it was actually trying to just cover my ass and pretend that I wasn't just deeply incompetent in the way that I thought that I was, which was the dominant experience of all of my professional experiences until I'd met a mentor when I was 25, I guess, who was also an away moment, one away, and that saw my shadow, saw the places where I'd been just pretending to have it together and saw past the storefront that I was selling the goods at, but the back was totally in disarray and saw past that and actually loved me there and held me there and mentored and coached me there. Mm. I mean, that was a life-changing experience as well. But the, you know, energetically, I think that that those two years, it was expansion. It was falling in love with cities. It was falling in love with big ideas. It was falling in love with entrepreneurship. It was falling in love with freedom and possibility to travel and see the world. When we broke up and it was all of a sudden, whoa, I just went from moving down, kind of marrying into a multi-billionaire family to I'm totally on my own. Which which another interesting thing about money that you don't earn is you don't always really feel like it's you deserve it. Mm. In that moment, as soon as we broke up, I felt more capable and competent than I had the entire time that I'd been kind of a kept man mm-hmm. or kept boy, as I now <laughs> would think of it myself as a 20, you know, as a 20 year old kid. And I had to rediscover my own path. There was just a lot of lessons there around wealth and around money can be a beautiful blessing, but money can also be an enabler to our own lower natures the gift of having to hustle and find our own path in life and pay our own bills is that we need to forge through the fires of our own purpose. When you don't have money as the driving motivator for that, it's easy to coast. 
it's easy to not have to lean in to those deeper questions around our purpose. That was then, you know, from 22 to 27, like five, this five-year chapter was this deep dive into my own journey, to my own purpose, to my own path. Who am I? What are my gifts? And I'm extremely grateful for that. And ultimately that's what led to being a co-founder and building this company and creating my own freedom, creating, recreate, you know, taking the best of the things that I genuinely believe about the positive benefits of prosperity and abundance, but actually earning them, actually discovering my own value, my own merit, the prosperity coming from that versus being just handed to me. So profound. I mean, like rip the, the ripping of the bandaid off of the relationship and then the feeling of I'm in charge of my own destiny to then. And I also like can really appreciate about what you said and it connects on so many levels of, you said you have to forge through your passion and purpose when money isn't there to just kind of keep you going. Um, and I think in those times of great financial struggle, if you push through, um, you you can kind of figure out the shell you need to embody and what's aligned because you can, it's easy to strip away all the the BS that was you know you can just subtract you know everything else around you, yeah. and so good for you right like because throughout this there's this theme in your life like you, you've probably had moments where you could go one way or the other and and when you hit the fork in the road right you've you've chosen optimism growth and transformation over you know despair and woe is me. Uh, and so, you know, you've done, you, like you've committed to the alignment of the work. And so I think that's what's also an in- interesting at play here uh, is you've actually done, you know, the hard work when shit's got hard. Um, so just want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, again, it's that, that gratitude for our own struggle. You know, and I've had a lot of struggle in my life. I've had a lot of literal physical pain, physical struggle, emotional pain, emotional struggle. You know, I think the difference between struggle and perseverance is like in perseverance, you're still struggling, but you're orienting yourself towards growth and towards the prayer of your life versus just wallowing in self-pity of the struggle. Completely. And I want to bring something else in and I want to get to 15.5 because I think it's so interesting. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Letting Go by Mark Hyman, I believe. And so he, he talks about the levels of consciousness. Oh, no, David Hopkins. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, David Hopkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know it well. <laughs> so, you know, Fantastic it's like... book. Oh, my God. It's... I've, re- I've read it in conjunction with the power of now, but the, to me, this is the more practical way of reading it and, um, or the, and around the similar concept. So, you know, he talks about the, the layers of consciousness. So when you approach things from a love, right, layer of consciousness, right, your ability to move through hardship becomes that much easier opposed to when you're more prideful or, you know, and you, and you radiate more like on a, when, you, when they measure it in the energy field. And so it's making a lot of sense to me. Um, so anyways, 
it sounds like you, you you say you've approached it from a place of gratitude. Like you grew up in a loving environment. Like you've, you've approached the struggle probably in a very loving way and a, you know, a very conscious, thoughtful way where, um, you know, because of maybe some of your background and, and another thing to be grateful for. So anyways, just a lens into, uh, just connectivity here. Yeah. No, I mean, I love, I love that f- the model of power versus force, uh, you well, know, I haven't the, read that the, yet. the vibrational spectrum of consciousness and that evolution and our own kind of awakening is, is ascending up is, is, you know, raising the frequency of consciousness. And again, like frequency is kind of, uh, thrown around a lot, but that, that actually, like, if you think about vibrational frequency of consciousness, it, I think there, there's a lot of reality to that. And I love about that. The title of that book is letting go because it's, it's letting go is the path for ascending up the, the spectrum of consciousness. Hmm. That's yep. all we have to do. Just continually let go. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, if you haven't read the surrender experiment by Mickey Singer, Michael Singer is phenomenal as well. Hmm. So interesting. Um, He's the author of The Untethered Soul. And uh, Surrender Experiment is is the biography. All he wants to do is move into the woods and do yoga and meditate. And he ends up creating a multi-billion dollar software company. And like, it's this super cool story of, again, this integration of business and spiritual practice Mm. and surrendering to the destiny of our life. Yeah. Well, I just bought Untethered Soul and that book seems, I should, I should read that in conjunction with the other one. That'd be great. Yeah, th- th- both of those are like top shelf. At, Love it. At the okay. Top of- well, I was going to do Untethered Soul next, but I will add the, his memoir. I, and I do think reading Untethered Soul first, which is really Mickey Singer's kind of teachings, like you would never know that he was a founder and executive of one of the largest medical software companies in the world. Like you would mm-hmm. never get that from reading wow. Untethered Soul, that this is a very accomplished businessman. And then you read Surrender Experiment and you're like, whoa, that's crazy. You're, you're unlocking some things here. Little did I know. Um, so Shane, let's, well, actually, I think this is a great segue to 15.5 because of the kind of internal pull towards business and leadership and approaching things in a very positive transformational way. I would love to know how 15.5 came into being and how you saw what you've built and what you've built is incredible. Uh, But I just tell us a bit about the origin story. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's again, just full of magic for me personally. So I had gone through that five-year chapter of rediscovering my own, my own purpose, right? Like, okay, cool. The two years of living in the deep end of Manhattan billionaires that are trying to use their money to change the world for the better, really cool, expansive experience and flying on private jets and, you know, all kinds of craziness. And then boom, uh, we break up. I moved to San Francisco and get a job in clean tech, private equity, which I'm miserable in and do that for a year. I quit. Well, get fired really. It was kind of like, oh good, I'm getting fired. Thank God. And I go to Burning Man the next week for my first time, completely rocks my world, 
I come back to the Bay, move into this crazy community, experimental living, transformational focused work. Uh, and I do basically like four years of hyper intense personal development work, relationship, skill building, communication, emotional intelligence, uh, you know, landmark, authentic world, yada, 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 all kinds of amazing work. And then it was actually finding a mentor who I mentioned, who then took me under his wing and trained me as a coach. And coaching was the first time that I clicked in all of the different pieces, all of the ways that I'd been deeply insecure about my own competence came to a head. And I discovered in coaching, the first thing that I felt gifted at, the first thing that was deeper than a superficial layer of me pretending I was good, but it, at my core, I was identified as a failure. And so coaching, fall in love with coaching, do about three years of, of coaching and trying to build my own business with some success, but not breakaway success by any means. And it was actually then going to a, uh, a ceremony with our community of friends that were doing uh, an experience with a molecule called 5-MeO-DMT, which is the most powerful psychedelic entheogen on the planet. And I'm surrounded by 30 of my friends and I go into this experience and it's kind of famous for kind of separating you from your ego and putting you into this, this deep state of non-dual consciousness. And what happens when I go in is I tell the entire room, my whole struggles with money. And I tell like just all the, I spill all the beans as my ego starts reintegrating. I'm like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Right. I just told these people my deepest, darkest fears and shadows and truths that I've worked so hard to hide from my friends. It was that experience that then led to one of my friends saying, look, Shane, I, I feel like I can't really be your friend if I don't help you with this. We were talking and their recommendation was to reach out to somebody who a mutual acquaintance that was kind of a, I kind of knew, not really. And his name was David Hassel. And I reach out to David and we start talking and he's super great and receptive and is supportive of this webinar that I was, I was running called Supercharged about energy management for entrepreneurs. And David is like helping me with this. And I'm like, well, what do you need? And David says, well, I just yesterday launched my product 15.5 and there's all these people coming in, all these executives coming in and I don't have time to coach them. And I need somebody who can coach these executives on using the platform. And, and he's like, do you know anyone? And again, an away moment. Do I be polite and say, I'll think about it. And if anyone comes to mind, or do I say, holy crap, that's me. And let's talk. And I chose the, the courageous, vulnerable path of saying, hey, that sounds like me. And it felt risky at the time. That led to then a couple of days later, starting to work together. And so again, what's, what's beautiful about this is for the next three years, I helped David build the company. And David one day comes to me and says, Shane, 
you have made such a profound impact on this company because you gave me carp launch to basically take all the crazy social technologies that I'd picked up from my coaching training and the interpersonal transformational communities that I was a part of and applied those in building a culture based on authenticity and connection and truth-telling. He said, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and ask you to be a co-founder because of the impact you've had. So I'm building a time machine and you're now an equal owner, co-founder of this company. Completely blew my mind because that doesn't happen. But you leaned in, like you, you, again, you kept following that intuitive desire and we're so vulnerable in that moment of that experiment or the, you know, the DMT usage and um, wow, boom, you know, boom. Yeah. and you knew it. Like, like it just was right in front of your face and you, that pool again and the chills, I mean, absolute chills. Um, and then, you know, just, just of like the journey of building a company. So I've been doing this for nine plus years and it's, it's such a evolutionary hero's journey, building a company, being an entrepreneur. I mean, just being a human being and getting up every day and showing up for our lives is a hero's hero, heroine's journey. You know, and then we've definitely had some great success and it's, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of people that our product helps them to become their best selves. It's not like the hero's journey is over. Like, I feel like I'm just this, this year, these last couple of months uncovering deeper layers of my own entrepreneurial confidence. Hmm. Such as? Owning the success that we've had, but also thinking about the lessons learned in this whole journey and thinking about how I would do things differently, you know, like being a first time entrepreneur that was almost an accidental entrepreneur, you know, like I didn't actually start the company. David really started the company and I've been incredibly blessed to get to be a co-pilot on its journey, you know? And so I think that the layers that I'm speaking to is it's that uncovering of the, the continued confidence of being able to apply the lessons that I've learned, both in the continued growth and expansion of our mission, as well as the continued dreams and aspirations and ways that I think the world can still be improved. And just getting that I'm still really young, right? right. Like and I'm still, still at the beginning of my journey. Sure. I'm still an infant compared to who I will be in hopefully 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, if I'm so lucky. How special, like how, how special of a realization though? That's great. I've, I mean, I'll also say though, like, but you were in it at inception. It was fully aligned with who you were and you've clearly rode the wave and help be a part of building something significant, which will probably financially enable you to go build and something fully that might be a, your origin idea, right? So it's uh, really just neat to hear the way you talk about it, but also how there's such a long road ahead for you and the endeavors that connect to that road um, will be, I'm sure, super meaningful and vast. So yeah, yeah, thanks. Your work's rooted in a lot of meaning and purpose. Where, where do you find meaning within your work of helping others, you know, develop and, and become better leaders themselves? When I was coaching, 
let's do, I'll bring it back. One of the things that I really loved about coaching was that when I sat down with a client and put my full attention on them, I disappeared. My agenda, my story, my problems were gone. All that existed was this person. And I think that's the gift of service. That's the, the beautiful thing about attuning to other people and finding what is their highest need. Hmm. I get to step out of my own self-obsession, which is while it can be intoxicating, can also be a prison. I actually can see somebody get what they want. I can see somebody become more of themselves. Hmm. I can instigate and inspire brave choices that the person still has to make. I don't make those choices for anyone. We're all in this alone, right? We're all completely alone on our own journey. And yet getting to stimulate and activate somebody to make higher order choices and to follow their own intuition, discover their own knowing. I don't know. It's, it's good entertainment. <laughs> I mean, I think that's all we've got. I think, I think, you know, we're all just God entertaining ourselves. And so whether that's, whether we choose to tune into the dystopian sci-fi entertainment of the news cycle or tune into the tragic comedy of our own dramas or the, oh, or, you know, we get to choose the genre that entertains us. And, you know, and there's of course a lot of complexity and nuance to this conversation of kind of the claim that all of reality is an illusion. And this is just Maya. This is all just a trick of the light. That's a projection. And we're, we're paid actors in a staged drama. And at some point, the curtains, the lights will go off and the curtains will come up and we're going to remember, hey, I'm not Shane. Shane was this character I was playing. And wow, all the things that I took so seriously and all the sense of, you know, life or death about making 15.5 successful or not, that was all just part of the drama. It mm. was all just part of captivating the story so that the audience would get enraptured. Um, so eloquently said, put resonates, uh, with all the current inputs in my life. Um, so no Shane, I mean, I, I want to just say it has been, I, I haven't done an interview in probably two months. So I backlogged a lot and then I kind of just been getting them out and, um, just the irony of this being the first one I've done in couple months and just everything we discussed your story it's so aligned I feel like my life is very similar to yours in like opposite ways but some very similar ways so i just want to say thank you for like bringing your full like self to the table here and just speaking your your existence it was beautiful it was so so great um where where can people uh follow you i i have to say as an outsider looking in your thoughts are you speak very authentically and write authentically uh if it's you i'm sure it is but it's it's well done um where, where can people kind of get in touch with you or follow yeah. what you're up to well well first of all thank thank you for that reflection and this was really fun for me because i i mostly i don't talk about these stories 
I'm not writing on LinkedIn about my use of 5-MeO DMT and the way that it <laughs> quantum leaped my life forward. Um, and so first of all, thanks for just an opportunity to recollect and to shed some light on my own journey. Um, and you've got a great listening that elicited that. So um, people can find me. I'm, I'm mostly on uh, LinkedIn these days and really in the conversation and thinking and contemplation about how do we build more authentic companies, more human companies that are still committed to high standards of performance and execution and results, but that actually lift the human being up in the process. And so that it's soul awakening versus soul crushing work. And so that's, that's uh, mostly where I'm at. You can also follow our podcast, HR Superstars, and where we're diving into a lot of these conversations with some of the most progressive le people leaders from the coolest companies around innovating the and reinventing HR, you know, because HR has had this kind of bad rap and it's going through a whole rebrand and companies have never been more aware of the need for supporting the whole person, whole human development mm. versus punitive, top-down, command and control management. HR exists only to prevent us from being sued and cover the bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Completely. Well, Shane, um, I, I'm excited for you in the journey ahead, there, what, who you're serving, how you're serving people, uh, who you're becoming uh, and evolving into, and uh, just excited to stay close. I'm sure it'll be a meaningful friendship for for the long haul. Thank you for uh, coming up, coming today. Brian, what, a, what an absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.